As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. The week two review episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by MyBookie. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or would you keep walking? Of course you take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to MyBookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting at is just as important as who you're betting on, and I wouldn't be telling you to go to these guys if they weren't the best. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet football, bet with my book. You can do fantasy points. You can do over-under. You can do prop bets. They got tons of prop bets, not to mention they got NCAA football. You know, they got everything uh, under the sun. And did you know that you can bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. And if you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you multiply your winnings, and no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of the year to do so. Join now, and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code CHAIR to activate the offer. That's promo code CHAIR. Visit mybookie.ag today, where at MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. And I don't know about the rest of you, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting up there, and I've you know, got a few gray hairs, and, and, and I acquired a few more yesterday in the, last, in the last, what, say, eight minutes of the game when the Broncos started their uh, comeback. But we persevered, we survived, and most importantly, we won. We won. It's a Victory Monday episode of the Bear Stalk Underground, so let's get to it. You know, when they, uh, when they publicize or when they promote uh, horror movies, they always say you're going to pay for the whole seat, but you're only going to need the edge of it. And for the last several minutes of the fourth quarter, that is what I was doing in my living room, in my chair, watching the game on Sunday as I watched a 13-3 lead, which for the majority of the football game, a 10-point lead seemed like a 100-point lead, the way the Bears were playing defense. We were shutting the Broncos down. Yeah, they moved the sticks occasionally, but they never really made any progress outside of the first drive of the football game. And then it all came crashing down as the heat and the altitude started to take an effect on our defense and our offense couldn't do them any favors and keep them off of the field. What's going on, everybody? Larity back the week two review episode of the Bears Talk Underground. It is a victory Monday episode. Halle freaking Luya. Am I right? Am I right? Uh, Eddie Pinero, the hero. We got knee jerk reactions. You guys are going to love these things. And, um, you know, it, it was a, a stress ball of a football game. We knew it was going to be tough. We had tradition and history basically against us, 
You know, I, I talked to Lori Lattimore Volkman during the preview episode about the success that the Broncos have had in Mile High, especially in the first few weeks of the season or in the month of September. And one, two of the things that she said could affect uh, an opponent coming into town, A, the altitude, and B, the heat. Well, obviously we have that mile-high air uh, in Denver no matter what time of year it is, and it was also 90 degrees outside. So it was almost like a replay of the Miami game last year where we come in off a 10-day rest and, and and it's you know we got the heat and humidity of Miami only this time it was the heat, and as Lori told us, not humid, but the low, the the the, the altitude, the high the high air, uh, uh, the light air, I should say, out there in uh, in Denver and Colorado, starting to affect, and it took a toll uh, on the defense, and you could see it slowly slipping away, which is what was so <laughs> frustrating about the fourth quarter. Was you know the defense had held on as long as it could, the offense once again struggled to put significant points uh, on the board. I, I'm, we'll talk more about the offense here uh, uh, in a minute, but it just it was very frustrating uh, to watch. The, the defense struggled mightily at the end, and you could just tell that they had run out of gas. They were, on, they were running on fumes there uh, towards the end, and after, especially after that field goal when the Broncos made it 13-6, to it was uh, that would have been a really great time for maybe the offense to hang on to the football for about five minutes, get a couple of first downs, give the defense a breather, maybe get a field goal in there, extend the lead if you ha- if you can or anything like. But at the very least, don't go in there and go three and out, which is virtually exactly what they did. Gave the football right back to the Broncos. I mean, the Bears dominated time of possession. In the first two quarters, and I would say the majority of the of the first three quarters, and in the end, it was the Broncos that had a 32 to 27 advantage in time of possession. So they virtually had the ball for the most for most of the fourth quarter, and you could see it taking a toll on our defense as they had very little uh, to muster uh, against the uh, against Flacco and Emmanuel Sanders, who was the thorn in, in our side all day long uh, on Sunday, and. Um, you know they overcame. They took the lead. Thirty-one seconds to go. Ugh, we just, I just, uh, with the way our offense was playing, I knew it wasn't over. But I had, I was ye of little faith. It's like, man, I'm gonna keep watching this. But I just, I'm not feeling good about what we have, what we're up against here, what uh, what the possibilities uh, are. It was uh, a difficult situation to to have to stomach and. Um, but we made it. We made it. Uh, you know, we, we pulled off our, our last-minute heroics. We got a gift from the referees uh, that is uh, that any Bear fan will tell you is probably more of a makeup penalty uh, than anything else with that roughing the passer call on Mitch. Uh, we, and Mitch made the play that made, made the play that set up the, um, the field goal, got the timeout called with one second left. The NFL actually reviewed that today and confirmed that the referees got that right. Those bit those assholes didn't get much right in that game on Sunday. They were terrible pretty much across the board. Uh, they were ter- they were equally terrible for both teams, uh, but they actually did get that one right. Allen Robinson went down. There was a second to go, and um, there's actually a picture. I forgot where I saw it on Twitter today. 
There is a picture. Allen Robinson is down. They got it all in one frame. It was an amazing photo. They got Allen Robinson is on the ground. Mitch is calling timeout, and a referee in the in the left hand corner is acknowledging the timeout. So there's photographic evidence right there that the uh, the Bears got that timeout in with one second left. Uh, I think Vic Fangio today was saying that that was impossible, but that's. Like I said, it's unfortunate. You'll hear me in the knee-jerk reactions talk about, um, you know, how heartbreaking it all would be. Uh, you know, if like I feel for Vic, I feel for Broncos fans, I feel for our friend Lori Lattimore Volkman. It's a terrible way to lose a football game when the refs kind of take it out of your hands, or if you feel like all the calls are going against you, almost like it was rigged. And if it was me, I'd definitely be ranting and raving right now about how the refs. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Screwed us, and so I totally get it. I get it. However, it went for us, and we win, and I'll take it, because 0-2 would have been a daunting daunting task to overcome just because I think the morale alone, to have the game in control for the majority of it, to let it slip away literally at the last second and come up short, I think would have been very demoralizing for the team. Not that they aren't resilient enough and they still have 14 games uh, to come back from it. It just would have been a tough pill to swallow. You know, com- combined with the way that the team performed uh, against the Broncos, where the offense let us down, and it was the defense that was stellar. When this week it was the defense, you know, with f- forces working against them, and I mean Mother Nature uh, in this case, the defense that quote unquote let us down this time around, giving up that ten point lead uh, in the fourth quarter. It was a difficult, difficult thing, and I feel like if we hadn't overcome the way that we did, it would have been difficult to recover from going forward. So I'm I'm glad we don't have to entertain the idea uh, of what we'll have to do um, with the uh, with the future and going forward. We are a one and one football team. We go on the road next week to the Redskins, and uh, which will be an interesting interesting ball game. The Skins are zero and two. Uh, they've given up a lot of points, but they've also scored a lot of points as well. They lost 32-27 to last week, 31-21 to yesterday. Both division games to the Eagles and Cowboys, who were supposed to be better than them anyway. And now you have the Bears coming into town uh, to FedEx Field or whatever. They're, I'm pretty sure it's still FedEx Field out there in, uh, in Virginia. And uh, we'll see how the Bears manage to go uh, a week from today when they, uh, when they play the Skins. So, oh. Uh, so let's dive into this thing. You know, we'll, we'll start with the first quarter uh, knee-jerk reaction and uh, not quite as optimistic as it was a week ago as it was kind of more of the same. The, the, the offense isn't really doing much right now. The defense, however, after kind of a bend-but-don't-break first drive where the Broncos got a field goal, 
is being their usual daunting stellar selves and uh, where you know I'm not really sure how to feel about the game because it looks very familiar to the way it was played out last Thursday knee-jerk reaction to the first quarter the Bears and the Broncos and it's a a bit of a prettier sight than it was last week um on on defense we are still our old stifling selves um we did uh, I, I don't want to say relax on the first drive but um you know the, the broncos basically came out with the template on how to offset our defense get the ball out quick got the slants coming through the middle of the field that kind of thing we're able to get inside field goal range before the defense finally shut them down and uh, a 43 yard field goal for mcmanus put the broncos up three to nothing to kick things off um, you kind of got the heebie-jeebies after the first offensive drive. We ran the ball twice to start, which was nice to see, but we had gained one yard on two plays and then a – hard to say. Um, in the end, it, it was kind of a hindsight thing. I think Mitch made the wrong decision. He made a great throw. He made a great throw. Uh, he hit uh, Tariq Cohen deep. The defensive back made a great play and, and knocked the ball out of T Cohen's hands. So it was kind of a missed opportunity. However, Mitch was, was forced out of the pocket. He's kind of rolling to his right. And he had Mike Davis about five yards ahead of him who could have gotten the first down. He throws it to Mike Davis. Mike Davis gets the first down. The chains keep moving. Mitch decides to go deep to Cohen, who made the catch, if not for the the defensive back making a better play. He made the play and knocked the ball loose, so the Bears went three and out on the first drive. So it's kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of thing. Like I said, I, I'm, I question the decision. He made a great throw, so it wasn't like a complete disaster. If not for the DB making a great play, that whole thing works out great, and I'm sitting here talking about what an amazing play Trubisky made and so on and so forth, but it is what it is. The Bears are on their second offensive drive after the defense shut the Broncos down three and out. The uh, Well, actually, it wasn't three and out because we had a bogus – uh, unnecessary roughness call on, on Leonard Floyd. So it was four and out uh, for the Broncos. The defense is moving. We've converted on third down a couple of times. We've run the ball twice as much as we've passed thus far. So uh, we got the ball now. Second and nine for the Bears. Let's see how it goes from here. We're down 3 nothing so far. So yeah, it was a mixed bag with that opening drive. Coming out with the running plays right away, even though we gained, I think, one yard on two carries. So we're at third and nine. Uh, Mitch breaks the pocket. He's rolling right. And just before he gets to the line of scrimmage, and I've, I actually, now in hindsight, think he may have actually been able to, to run for it, but he also had in stride running in front of him Mike Davis, which is what I talked about in the knee-jerk reaction. But instead, he decides to loft one down the field uh, to Tariq Cohen, who was open. And like I said, he made a great throw. It was there. Um, I've heard others say, like, maybe if you put a little bit more on it, then Tariq is, a, you know, put it out and f out, out and behind, out over uh, Cohen. He'd have been able to run under it, and who knows what happens. Maybe he hits him in stride and he runs for a touchdown or, or something like that. But I, I think that that's, you know, the, it could have opened the floodgates if it worked. Maybe that's why Mitch went for the bigger play. Um, you know, you you would like to think that with all the struggles that he had last week, he would have taken the short play with Mike Davis or run it himself uh, for the first down. But uh, you know, hindsight twenty twenty. Like I said, I question the decision. He made a great throw, 
it was there. The DB played an, made an amazing play to uh, knock the ball out of uh, Cohen's hands uh, to send the Bears three and out uh, on the first drive. And then the Emmanuel Sanders, it was kind of the theme as to what would kill the Bears later on in the game, that first drive with Emmanuel Sanders, you know, getting Flacco, getting the ball out quick, doing those slant routes and, uh, and everything. Emmanuel Sanders was the, was, our, was the thorn in our side throughout the game, like I said uh, uh, before. So a pretty uneventful first quarter. Uh, I did mention the, the bogus unnecessary roughness call. Uh, on Leonard Floyd it turned out to be much to do about nothing because like I said the Bears were three and out after uh, that play but he just he tackled him and took him to the ground he didn't pick him up and slam him on his head or 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 anything like that it was a bit more of an aggressive tackle I will admit that but he he didn't do anything malicious he took the guy to the ground he he pulled him to the ground and the referees flagged it and it (laughs) Uh, later on in the game, Bilal Nick, not Bilal Nichols, uh, Eddie Goldman uh, got got called for a um, uh, roughing the passer when he took Joe Flacco to the ground, and they called it as though he put his body weight on one of those where you you know where you 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 lean in on your body and put all of your weight on the quarterback. Goldman didn't do that, honestly, he did not. And even Mark Slareth and the corpse of. Uh, of uh, Dick Stotkin agreed that it was a bad call. In fact, all three of those unsportsmanlike conduct or personal foul calls, they disagreed with, and I agree with them. Even the one that uh, gave the Bears an extra 15 yards on the game-winning drive was a bad call. That was not an unnecess- That was not roughing the passer. I don't see how they could justify that it was. I mean, the only thing that's even remotely close is if Bradley Chubb hit Mitch in the back of his head with his helmet but it wasn't like leading with the crown or or anything like that so again there was no malicious intent he was just trying to sack the quarterback and it um you know I I can't defend the flag other than to say that well they screwed us twice earlier in the game so at least they're being consistent with this level of of call like they're making bad calls consistently uh you know it just happened to come at a really really bad time uh for the broncos that was a free 15 yards that's 15 yards the bears didn't have to earn to get themselves into field goal uh range at the end of the ball game but the one on floyd was bogus and then it just it would basically set the precedent for the kind of crew that we were working with uh in this football game but uh Second quarter knee-jerk reaction is the Eddie Pinero show. We get two field goals out of him. We continue to shut down the Broncos on uh, on offense and uh, go into halftime with a lead, unlike last week. Knee-jerk reaction the second quarter, the Bears and the Broncos. A little bit more of the same. It is definitely a defensive battle. Uh, currently, Eddie Pinero has scored every single point the Bears have mustered in six quarters in 2019. He added two field goals in the second quarter, one from 40, one from 52, uh, using taking advantage of that high altitude, uh, low air or whatever it is that gives it such an advantage. And... Um, Put the Bears up 6-3. to three. The defense, I think, has definitely got uh, Flacco and company figured out. And I was just thinking a few moments ago on that last drive from the Broncos, 
I kind of get the feeling that our DBs have Flacco clocked now. I, I really get the feeling that he's going to serve one up for us before the day is out. We're going to get an interception or maybe even uh, a pick six. I really feel like the DBs have got him down. Maybe he's even uh, you know, double pumping it because our, our pass rush is starting to get to him a little bit more. The defense is doing its job. Three points in the first half. Our offense still struggling. Still struggling to uh, to maintain. Still struggling to close out drives. We've six quarters in. We haven't scored our first touchdown yet in 2019. But we start with the football. I'm hoping things will loosen up here in the second half. The Broncos, the one thing Lori Lattimore-Volkman didn't mention when I told her, when I brought up the, the Broncos' September record in Mile High, is that the Broncos are 17-1 and in the last 18 seasons and in their home opener. So... Jesus Christ, how could she not tell me that? But it's 6-3, to three, so it's still a close ball game. But I feel like if the Bears can come out and score a touchdown to start the second half, we might be able to cruise along for the rest of the football game. The, the Bears have control of this one. We just need a play to shut them down. So you heard me mention the DBs, and I really did feel that way. It was kind of... You know, it wasn't like we had a lot of close calls or anything. It's just that it, it was starting to get to the point where when Flacco would throw the ball, our DBs were there immediately to make the play uh, on their on their uh, on the def- on the defense. You know, to to get after uh, the receiver, uh, and they were always right there. And I kind of felt like they 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 kind of sensed where the ball was going, and that eventually, if that kept up then Eddie Jackson would just hit one in stride and very, like a la the Detroit and Thanksgiving where he knew the where the ball was going the whole time the ball got there like he got there just in perfect time in stride to intercept the football and he was already at top speed when he caught the ball nobody was going to catch him for that touchdown against the Lions on Thanksgiving last year I really felt like something like that was going to happen and we did get one from Flacco not like I thought we would. It was uh, it was more of a great play from from uh, from Kyle Fuller and uh, and everything and in, in at a critical time uh, in the game. We'll talk about a bit more about that later on. But um, you know, it was uh, I really felt like the DBs were going to be able to to get one uh, off of him uh, in the in the second half. I really felt like maybe an adjustment here, uh, a tweak there. Uh, or something that Pagano might put them in a position to be able to jump a route and take one home. Unfortunately, that it didn't happen that way. We did get one from Flacco. It did cost the Broncos huge, but not in the way that I was kind of envisioning watching the Bears and the way that they reacted uh, in the second quarter. So when we go into the second half, like I said, I was hoping the Bears might be able to come out fast in the second half put something together, move the chains, get a touchdown on the board, still waiting for the first one after six quarters uh, of football. That didn't happen, unfortunately. We had to wait until the last drive of the third quarter to finally put one in the end zone. And you hear me talk about in the knee-jerk reaction how Mitch kept making a decision that I disagreed with pretty much every single time he made it on the end of that drive. We got a couple of big plays from Cordero Patterson, which was the play of that drive. We got a nice jet sweep from Taylor Gabriel. David Montgomery took care of the rest, including scoring our one and only touchdown uh, on Sunday. But you'll hear me talk about this and and see if you guys uh, agree with me 
I didn't like the decision that Mitch kept making there at the goal line inside uh, the five-yard line. I don't. I didn't think he was reading it right. <laughs> Knee-jerk reaction to the third quarter, the Bears and the Broncos. And we just finished our first touchdown drive of 2019. And it was all runs. We didn't pass the ball once. Um, Cordero Patterson with the biggest play of the drive. Uh, took a straight-up pitch 46 yards down the sideline to get the Bears in the red zone. David Montgomery did most of the heavy lifting from there. Um, got one of those jet sweeps from Taylor Gabriel where he got to turn the corner and got some yardage. It was all runs, though. Every single play on that drive was a run, including, like, the five shots from the inside the five to get in the damn end zone. And the thing about it is it was one of those option reads, and I felt like Mitch made the wrong read every single time because Bradley Chubb, the, the outside linebacker and the edge rusher for the Broncos was crashing down on the inside so hard that I felt like if Mitch had kept the ball, like, you know, if, when, when Chubb breaks for, goes to the inside to get the running back, if Mitch keeps the football, he'll waltz into the end zone. He could have moonwalked in if he wanted to. That's how, like, no one would have been there or at least Mitch versus the DB that was there. i take that matchup all day long you know Chubb was crashing down so hard trying to stop the run from the outside that if Mitch keeps the ball we probably end the drive at least two or three plays earlier than we actually did but Montgomery gets the touchdown Eddie Pinero kicks the point through we got a 10-point lead going into the fourth quarter the Broncos doing some pretty nifty passing there at the end of the third quarter. They've gotten some some big chunks of yardage so far, so they're driving right now. But the, throughout the first three uh, quarters of the game, a 10-point lead is significant. Two scores against this defense. Good luck, Broncos. But uh, it looks like they're on the verge of at least a, a field goal this time around. Hopefully defense can seize up and shut them down and uh, protect this lead. But uh, right now we're 15 minutes away from our first win of uh, 2019. And that nifty passing, as I called it, did lead uh, to the field goal that made it a one-score game uh, in the fourth quarter. And, again, the, the, the struggle of the offense – there and and again, like I said, the, the 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 on the touchdown drive with Mitch and those uh, those option reads, Bradley Chubb even on the t- on the play where for David Montgomery scored, Montgomery was trying to do one of those dive over the top deals, a la uh, Walter Payton. The only thing that kept him from flying over the top, Bradley Chubb grabbing his legs as he jumped uh, in the air. If if Mitch keeps the football, if he keeps the ball. He would be able to, like I said, if if it's him against the DB, I'll take that that bet every single time. I'll take that matchup. Remember week one last year against the uh, the Packers, the very first touchdown we scored last year was an option read. Mitch hangs on to the football. He beats the DB to the inside, scores the touchdown. The Bears are up 7-0 uh, on Green Bay to start the football game. I feel like if Mitch hangs on to the football instead of handing it off to Montgomery like five straight times, we score about we score whenever Mitch decides to do it, he scores easily. He waltzes in. I I believe that wholeheartedly. I don't know if if Nagy demanded that he keep giving the rookie the football or if they really just wanted him to pound it in or or whatever. But I really felt like with like Bradley Chubb did not care 
Uh, he didn't. He wasn't playing. He was coming at such a such a rate, such a speed, that he wouldn't have been able to stop in time to to tackle Mitch. Mitch would have run right past him as he you know had to slam on the brakes and then try to pivot backwards to get to Mitch. Mitch would have walked in easily. So I felt like again, Mitch made the wrong decision. Like I questioned the decision he made on the Tariq Cohen throw, even though it was a hair from working out, it didn't work out instead he should have taken the short throw to mike davis or run it himself for the first down i do question his decision making here on that play he could have saved us like four plays or something like that if he'd have held on to the football and run it in uh himself bradley chubb gave no credence whatsoever to the fact that mitch might hang on to the football he was crashing down so hard it the hole was opening itself uh there on on the end so I think Mitch uh, made a bad decision there. And then I was, as I was saying before, the nifty passing that the Broncos had was basically the catalyst for the entire fourth quarter. That's what the Broncos stuck with. Flacco ended up throwing 50 passes yesterday uh, against the Bears. They, they all but abandoned the run uh, at the end of the football game because we were getting gassed out. And when they did run the football, they were able to get big chunks because our defense was running out of gas there. Uh, uh, at the end, both both uh, Lindsey and I think Royce Royce Anderson, I think was the other running back's name, were able to get chunks. Of, I think they were averaging like seven or eight yards a carry uh, in the fourth quarter. It wasn't pretty, but um, in the end, it was Emmanuel Sanders scores the touchdown uh, with 31 seconds to go, and then a a wild series of events. And I have a bonus knee jerk reaction for you guys because Emmanuel Sanders and the Broncos score the touchdown and then the chaos that ensues afterwards I knew that I had to record it I knew I had to record a reaction as I was watching it just because it was kind of an unprecedented thing I can't believe this um Broncos scored a touchdown to make it 13 to 12. Originally, Fangio was going to go for two, but they got caught with a delay of game. So then Fangio decides to go with the kick to tie up the game. Bust the screen, jumps off sides, and the kicker misses the extra point. So we just won the game, and we might have just lost it as well because I think now Fangio is going to go for two. And here we go. They are going for two, and let's see if Buster Scrine just possibly cost us the game. There's 31 seconds left. The Bears have one timeout left. I don't know if they're going to use it here to kind of take a look at what the Broncos want to do and then reset or what, but the defense has been gassed here in the fourth quarter. It's an empty set. Flacco's in the shotgun, back to throw, fires, and it's a two-pointer. Jesus Christ. God damn it. 31 seconds to go, one timeout, and our offense has been garbage all day. It has been terrible. Even in the one tough, even in the one offensive drive that we had that resulted in a touchdown, we ran the ball every play, and it took us five yards from the five attempts from the five-yard line to get into the end zone. So we're down 14 to 13. There's 31 seconds to go. We'll see what happens from here. Can't you just hear the overwhelming optimism? in my voice 
I, I knew something like that. Something was going to happen. I was either going to be, you know, hooting and hollering because we just won the game or our defense just saved Buster Screen's ass or something uh, like that. But it was such an odd series of events that took place. You know, the Broncos are going to go for two. They're at home, which is odd. You know, usually you're, if you're the road team and you've got, you, you know, you want to get the win and get out of town uh, kind of thing. If you're the home team, we want to take it to overtime. These guys have nothing left. That's where I kind of question what Fangio did there. It worked out for them for the moment, but I think that it, it would have been a much more advantageous thing for the Broncos to take the extra point and send it to overtime. And, and let's go to overtime and we'll wear these guys out. You know, we got a 50-50 shot at getting the football, and if we get it, we're just going to wear – these guys have nothing left. Let's let's take the football. Let's wear them down the field, and they got nothing left. And God forbid, if we only end up with a field goal, their offense is trash. Just like I said, we've been struggling the entire football game. Our offense was doing the defense zero favors as far as getting them off the field or, or keeping them off the field. Uh, for the extended time, they were terrible on third down again this week. Thir- three of 11 uh, on third down uh, in this football game. They did the defense no favors, especially in uh, that second half. And, and in the fourth quarter was no better. The fourth quarter was 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 awful. So, you know, I, I, I just wasn't optimistic about what we could do. Um, but at the same time, I wasn't going to give up because – Mitch has done wild things like this before you know it's not what he's known for that's for sure but he has been clutch in these situations I mean think back to his rookie year that Detroit game he had to make that run on like fourth and 19 and he got it on his own to set us up for an embarrassing Connor Barth field goal attempt where he didn't even kick it in the same zip code as the uprights uh, or anything like that that uh, that overtime game, the victory in Baltimore, that amazing throw that he made to Eddie Royal to set up the game-winning uh, field goal in that football game, he did it over and over again. Well, not over and over again, but he's he stepped up in these big moments. He's he's he's. But th- they haven't always worked out. In the three examples I can think of off the top of my head, the Baltimore game we did win. Detroit he put us in a position to, to tie the football game, and the kicker blew it for him. Same thing in the Eagles game in the wild card spot. One timeout, 59 seconds. we got to drive the length of the field to get it in field goal range. Mitch made the throws. He made the plays to get us there. And boom, the double doink. But, uh, you know, same thing here. 31 seconds, one timeout. We get a little help from the referees. We'll talk about that here uh, in just a minute. But we all know what happened. Mitch made the big play with nine seconds to go to get the ball to Robinson. One second left, we call the timeout. Eddie Pinero puts it through the uprights and saves the day. The Bears come away one and one. Uh, looking forward to this matchup with the Redskins. And here's the knee-jerk reaction of my jubilation. Knee-jerk reaction. Fourth quarter of the Bears and the Broncos. Eddie Pinero is the hero. He is a hero, baby. 53 yards with left to give the Bears a 16 to 14 win good God almighty I didn't think we were going to be able to pull this one off and there's not a happy Bronco fan on the planet right now I guarantee it for two reasons number one on this drive the Broncos got stuck with a bogus 
uh, roughing the passer call, which I don't feel sorry for because we got nailed with two bogus unsportsmanlike slash roughing the passer calls. So that was just the refs giving us one back. And on the second one, the on the second to last play, Mitch broke the pocket, found Allen Robinson down the middle of the field. He goes down. You see the clock strike zero. Then it was ruled the Bears that he went down with one second. The Bears made the timeout call in time. So we got one second left to give Eddie the uh, opportunity to kick it from 53 yards, and he pulled it off. Honestly, guys, we really didn't deserve to win this game. Uh, the defense was completely worn out in the fourth quarter, and I'm not putting that on the defense. I'm putting that on the offense. The offense simply didn't do enough today. They didn't do enough. They did enough at the very end there to put us in the right position, but we should have we should have scored more. We 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 were terrible on offense. This drive is what put Mitch over a hundred yards passing for the day. You know, we, we focused more on the run, but even that wasn't as effective. The offensive line wasn't as good uh, as we needed them to be in, in most spots. And I honestly think the Bears were playing scared on offense, too. You didn't see Mitch doing as many dropbacks as he did uh, against Green Bay. And when I mean dropbacks, I mean like three to, I mean five to seven step drops. It was all first step, first read, boom, balls out, that kind of thing, which we were kind of chip chopping away at the defense, but it wasn't moving the chains. And I don't know, hopefully we'll. We'll, we'll take this this victory. It will spur us on. God knows it's going to boost morale here. But uh, we'll take the win. I'll take the win. 16-14 over the Broncos. Only the second time in 18 years that the Broncos have lost their home opener. They had won seven straight home openers, and the Bears were able to break the streak. My heart breaks for Vic Fangio and for the Broncos and for our good friend, Lori Lattimore Volkman. But... Uh, you know what, man? To hell with them. We needed this one, and we got it. So it wasn't pretty. We got the win. I'm happy with our defense, even though they ran out of gas at the end. It's our offense I'm still disappointed with and the offense that we still need to see a lot more from. We get an extra day of rest because we're playing Monday night against the Redskins next week. Hopefully, we'll be able to get it together then. And there it was. A lot to unpack there. A lot to unpack there. Number one. Uh, the Bears making the plays that they needed to make or Mitch making the plays that they needed to make to put the Bears in position to set up Eddie Pinero for the game-winning field goal attempt. And Eddie, unlike Cody Parkey, makes the kick. He made the kick. He put it through the uprights. Boom, Bears win. We go home happy. It's going to be a happy plane ride, bus ride, whatever, getting back to Hallis Hall uh, for our beloved uh, Chicago Bears uh, with a 1-1 one one, uh, record instead of a 0-2 hole that they would have to try to figure out how to dig themselves out of uh, going forward. So, But other things that I broached on the, on the, the knee-jerk reaction itself, the bad call uh, on Bradley Chubb. You heard me mention it uh, before. We had bogus calls on Leonard Floyd for that unnecessary roughness. A joke of a pass roughing the passer call uh, on Eddie Goldman. 
this seemed to go in line with that. But like virtually they didn't want us touching any any of the quarterbacks unless you you ask the quarterback to gently lay down on the ground and concede. Apparently that was going to be a penalty unless you did that. You you asked nicely and you had to use polite pleases and thank yous to get him to lay down. Uh, you know, and can and yield uh, to you. Otherwise, it's a roughing the passer call. We're going to tack on 15 yards uh, to the end of the play. It, it was ridiculous. It was a horrible time for the Bears to get one back, as far as the Broncos were concerned. But again, like I said earlier, it was a 15-yard penalty, and 15 yards the offense didn't have to earn uh, on that play. So I mean, I think it was like a four or five yard gain from Trey Burton tack on the 15 it was like a 20 yard play thanks to the uh the refs not thanks to Bradley Chubb thanks to the referees making a bad call and giving the Bears one back uh on that one so you know it, it's terrible I like I said it you hate to win a football game that way you hate to have it tainted by the refs basically taking the game out of the players hands that's exactly what they did that's exactly what they did on uh, that play it worked out for us I mean just imagine if the roles were reversed and it was the Broncos going for it and they called that bogus uh, you know they called it on Leonard Floyd you know tackling Flacco from behind and calling it roughing the passer when it was not even close to roughing the passer Mark Schlereth said it was wrong and I agree with him there wasn't much that I agree with him I'm actually a big fan of Mark Schlereth at ESPN and I have not been a fan of his work as a color commentator at all uh, thus far I'm not really a big fan I really thought that he would he would be good at it but he he hasn't been he hasn't I don't I don't know if it's because he's working with the corpse of Dick Stockton or or what the situation is there but he's not what I was hoping for slash expecting uh, in that situation I mean I was one of those people that was advocating for Schlereth to be the Monday night color guy when uh, when John Gruden uh, left the booth to go back into coaching I was like Schlereth I think Schlereth would be great at it and Whew, boy, was I wrong about that. He's terrible. He like I, I watched like the the good chunk of the the Sunday game last week with Arizona and Detroit, and then this week with the Bears and the the Broncos. I really have not enjoyed what uh, Schlereth has brought to the table at all thus far. Sorry, weird tangent, but still, he didn't agree with the call, and I was and I agree with him uh, as well. And you hate to see it go down that way, and um, you know it it sucks that that happened, but. It didn't suck completely for us because it worked in our favor. It set the Bears up on a path of success and, and getting Eddie Pinero set up for that uh, field goal to, uh, to shock the world and take the victory, to, to snatch victory from the jaws of defeat uh, on that one because 31 seconds, one timeout. Eesh, boy, it didn't look good. It didn't look good for us. Then the point that I made about the Bears kind of playing scared uh, on offense, it, it really does kind of feel at the moment that there's not a lot of trust in the offense and I don't know if it's trust against Mitch if it was our lack of trust with the offensive line because of the way they performed against the Packers last week but it seemed like Mitch was getting the ball out of his hands faster he wasn't doing a lot of five and seven step drops to to look downfield or make reads or progressions basically it was first read first throw boom balls out and on one hand, I'm sure that Nagy and company could explain it away by like, hey, we had Bradley Chubb and Von Miller coming after us. We got to get the ball out so we can get the ball, you know, to our receiver's hands and our playmaker's hands uh, to do that and blah, 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 blah. Except 
The offensive line, I did mention that they didn't perform well. It was in the running game that I wasn't happy with the offensive line. Pass blocking, I thought they were stellar. Second week in a row, uh, Von Miller and Chad and Bradley Chubb were virtual non-factors in the football game. They really didn't uh, offer up any pressures uh, in the game. I think I saw on Twitter today that the, the they had five pressures as opposed to maybe one in the game last week against the uh, the Raiders. So they've improved that point, but they got no sacks once again. And the the I, I, I'm pretty sure that that hit on Mitch at the end of the game there that, that resulted in the roughing the passer call was as close as the Broncos got to sacking Mitch on Sunday. So it's uh, the offensive line as far as their pass blocking was much better, and you think that maybe Nagy would have started to trust that and maybe try to open things up uh, a little bit. I mean, with the way that we're running the football, and you heard me mention earlier about how Bradley Chubb was crashing down on the inside, defending the run there at the goal line, that – with the way that we're running the football, that it would have been a perfect setup for some play action pass. You never, you didn't, you just didn't really see that. So I don't know if it was lack of trust in the offensive line, uh, combined with fear of Bradley Chubb and Von Miller, who are who are um, name wise better pass rushers than the guys that we faced last week. And if we had trouble with those guys, God knows what we're going to have with Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. Uh, coming at us so I don't know if it was fear lack of trust in the offensive line lack of trust in Mitch or if Nagy just put blinders on and this is my game plan this is how I'm doing it this is what we're doing today and to hell with whether or not it works out or not I, I don't know all I know is I don't think the offense ran the way that it should have uh, on Sunday or at least it wasn't paying attention to what was going on out there on the field I don't feel like we were adjusting to what the Broncos were showing us we were just running our offense and this is what we came here to do we came to run the football today so that's what we're going to do and god damn it we did it even though at one point we probably should have just opened it up a little bit to see if we could get Robinson or Gabriel or Anthony Miller man where has that guy been and I know it's probably not on him he had one target for one catch for two yards in that game you know, this is the guy that we gave up this year's second round pick to get last year and had an outstanding rookie season, led the team in touchdowns, and he has barely seen the field so far in 2019. Where has he been? You know, I, I don't give a damn what Mike Furry says and, oh, he's been out and he's been missing or whatever. You know what? If he's active, same thing with Trey Burton. He was barely on the field even though he was activated despite all the roster moves that we made just in case he wouldn't be. He was active he did start the game he did play but it's like if you're not going to play him full bore then just keep sitting if we're not going to put Anthony Miller out there and him be a major contributor on this football team then make him inactive put him out there when you're going to use him otherwise we are wasting this kid and we're probably frustrating him at the same time you know for the year that he had last year and as good a year as he had despite that shoulder injury you know, the fact that he was playing most of the season with only one arm after he dislocated or, yeah, dislocated his shoulder against the, the Cardinals uh, last year, he's got to be frustrated. I'm sure that he is. So if, if we're not going to put, you know, play uh, Burton full bore, don't activate him. If you're not going to play Anthony Miller, don't activate him either. I mean, I, I, I think it would be far more frustrating to be dressed and not used as opposed to like, you know what? We're not going to use you today. Uh, we, we want you to sit this one out, blah, 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 you know, 
you can be frustrated with that, but I think it's far more frustrating to be on the bench waiting for your number to get called and for it never to get called. It just that's probably going to be way more demoralizing than not being allowed to play uh, at all. You know, because there's that you don't sit there with the feeling that you could have done something when you weren't playing at all in the first place. You know, if you're standing there in street clothes, you know you're not going to have an impact on this football game. But if you're standing there with your helmet and your shoulder pads, you're dressed and you're ready to go, just waiting to get your number called, seeing things that you probably could have done or situations where you could have helped and not being allowed to do it has got to be more demoralizing, in my opinion. But um, anyway. Like I said, guys, it was a win. We pulled off the uh, the victory, the a mile high miracle, uh, if you will. Eddie Pinero, Eddie Money, Eddie Dinero, whichever one of the nicknames you want to slap on him, uh, now has definitely worked out. This guy ran the gauntlet that was the uh, the off season kicking competition. A lot of people gave the Bears a lot of flack for how they handled it. Well, the guy that survived, he was the last man standing. He's working out like gangbusters so far so maybe some teams are going to pay credence to what the bears did and you know enable a process like that of their own in the process in the preseason offseason if they're looking for a kicker uh, of their own so there you go those are your knee-jerk reactions that's going to do it for the review before we wrap things up uh i got some some no- some notes and stuff i want to share with you guys and then we'll have the uh bear up and bear down but first <laughs> use the promo code share to double your first deposit at my bookie that's m-y-b-o-o-k-i-e dot a-g and use the promo code chair to activate the offer and double your first deposit and um well let's see how are we going to do this this week you know guys it was uh it was a difficult game to watch on sunday uh you know sometimes if you if you're stressed out uh you, you know you don't really feel that you're at your best and if you need help if you need a performance boost I'm doing my best here, guys. Try Blue Chew. And, uh, you know, if you want to increase your performance and get that extra confidence, then listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color. It brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, our favorite uh, bathtub uh, company. Uh, So you know it works. You can take them anytime, day or night, on a full or empty stomach, because God knows you don't want to take one on an empty stomach. But if you do, you're good. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises, like Eddie Pinero was yesterday. All four of his kicks went through the uprights. He's perfect so far in 2019. Hopefully that continues. Uh, Where was I? Most guys talk a good game, but Blue Chew helps you follow through. Like Eddie Pinero, followed through with his kicks, put him through the goddamn uprights. Blue Chew is prescribed online, shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness like watching Cody Parkey kick field goals in 2018. They are made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they are cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use the special promo code ARMCHAIR. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew, B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, promo code ARMCHAIR to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. 
So let's get back to the show. Okay, guys, wrapping here up, uh, wrapping things here up on the week two review episode of the Bear Talk Underground. A couple of things I want to cover uh, before we get to our bear up and bear down uh, segment. Uh, doesn't really have much to do with the Bears, but it might affect us uh, going down the line. Drew Brees yesterday in that big showdown with the L.A. Rams, the rematch of the NFC Championship game, had ligad- limage, uh, ligament damage to his throwing hand on his thumb, could be out six to eight weeks, would inc- which would include the Saints' visit to Soldier Field next month after the bye. So, I mean, we would be facing Teddy Bridgewater instead of Drew Brees in Chicago. And, you know, that could definitely be helpful uh, for us. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater is no slouch. We've had difficulties with him in the past, but that's when he was a starting quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings, not the backup for the New Orleans Saints. Now, granted, he could have enough time under his belt to be comfortable in the offense at that time. I just think I like my odds against Teddy Bridgewater a lot better than I like them against Drew Brees, even if it is uh, a home game. So the you know the football gods may have done us a favor on that one by uh, making Drew Brees inactive for that game against the uh, Bears in October. Speaking of inactive, uh, we might be without Bilal Nichols for a while. Uh, the second-year defensive tackle hurt his hand. Speaking of hands. Uh, injured in the football game, ended up leaving, did not come back uh, when Nagy had his press conference earlier today. They said they'll know more in 24 to 48 hours, so we'll find out later this week what the uh, long-term status of Bilal Nichols is. Hopefully it's not serious, as in IR serious. I think I think I did read that Nagy said it's he doesn't think it's a possibility, but he's not ruling it out, so... We'll have to to wait and see. Bilal Nichols is an outstanding young defensive tackle. Another one of Ryan Pace's day three genius picks that has really worked out. He's a fifth rounder last year in 2018. So hopefully uh, we get him back. And then the last thing I wanted to talk about before we get to the um, uh, bear ups and bear downs uh, for this week was I think I may have actually talked about this once before, but I want to reiterate this again just because it actually happened. It actually has happened now. And uh, Desmond Clark, former tight end of our beloved Chicago Bears, uh, has started a Facebook group that uh, I was uh, uh, lucky enough to be invited to join. And uh, last week, the week before, I think it was before the home opener against Green Bay, he posed the question to the group where he asked what we thought Eddie Pinero's field goal percentage was going to be for the season. And my answer uh, was and still is now that I don't think his field goal percentage really matters, to be honest with you. I think it matters more if he makes the kicks that matter because last year, granted, uh, statistically, Cody Parkey was not great. But if you swap out the kicks that he missed with the ones that he made, like Let's say if you swap out uh, a meaningless field goal in Buffalo, let's say he misses a field goal in Buffalo, but he makes that field goal in overtime against Miami. That changes the season. We're 13 and three instead of 12 and four, and we're in a bye week week you know in the in the playoffs and so on and so forth. If he makes the kicks that matter, then no one really cares what his field goal percentage is. If he's clutch, then 
I think that's more important for the Bears anyway because Cody Parkey did not have a good season. We went 12-4 and four anyway. Uh, the, the, just a perfect example being that game against the Lions where he made a name for himself, banging it off the upright four straight times uh, in that football game. That had no effect whatsoever on the game. Only thing that it affected was the over-under. If you were betting the over-under, Cody Parkey screwed you because the Bears should have had, I think, like 41 points in that game, only walked away with like 33 because of the point. Two, two extra points, two field goals that Parkey missed uh, in that football game. So that's eight points he cost you. If, uh, if the Bears didn't make the over, it was on Cody Parkey. Otherwise, we won that game handily, and the 33-20 to 20 final score that we did get wasn't indicative of how much the Bears dominated that football game. The Lions got a couple of garbage touchdowns against the prevent defense to make it as close as the, the final score would, would show. But o- otherwise, the Bears were up 26 to nothing at one point. The, the Lions had no business with being on the field with us uh that week so but you know if you swap out a couple of the kicks that cody parkey missed and and you know like meaningless field goals or something like that like take a like i said the the buffalo one's the perfect example is the only one i can really think of right off the top of my head take that one say he misses the field goal that he made in buffalo but he makes that one in miami we have a different opinion of cody parkey going into it yeah we're probably a little bit shaky but he made a kick that mattered. He made it. He made a clutch kick, and that's what exactly Eddie Pinero uh, has done so far. He uh, he has he's done the one thing Cody Parkey couldn't do for us last year, and he stepped up, made the kick we needed him to make at the absolute moment we needed him to do it. Cody Parkey let us down in those instances last year. Eddie Pinero has yet to let us down yet. I mean, it's, with the way our offense is playing. Every kick that he makes is important. Every single one. Until we figure out what we're doing on offense, uh, you know, and starting to put multiple touchdowns on the board and, and playing like the well-oiled machine we all thought we were getting coming into this season. Every single kick that Eddie <laughs> is going to attempt this year will be important because points will be at a premium. You know, we're going to be stuck in a lot of these sixteen to fourteen battles if the offense doesn't get it figured out. Or, God forbid, unless the defense starts scoring touchdowns like they did uh, last year, our offense is going to have to be, it's going to have to start figuring it out because the defense can't do this week in and week out. They are capable of it, but we can't expect it from them. We can't expect them to only allow one touchdown per game the entire season. They can do it, but we can't expect them to. It's not fair. It is not fair to expect the off the defense to perform like that week in and week out despite the horses and you know Chuck Pagano and, and everything else. We can't expect that of them. It's not fair. We have to be a team, and the offense needs to pick them up. So um, I, I still stick to my, my point that I made in, in the discussion group that I really don't think his percentage matters. I actually think that when the games, when it starts getting colder, Eddie Pinero might make might miss some kicks. This is a Florida guy. Uh, hasn't kicked in Soldier Field in December yet. Maybe he'll struggle a little bit at that point. But I think that if he makes the kicks that matter, if he makes the you know the the big kicks in critical times, which is the one thing Cody Parkey couldn't do for us last year, then I don't, I don't think it matters what his field goal percentage is. You know, I, I really don't care if he misses a random third quarter field goal that has no outcome on the football game. 
I want to see him make those field goals in the fourth quarter when we need to make it a two-score game instead of a one-score game. You know what I'm saying? So um, that's what I'm looking for more from Eddie Pinero than you know challenging Justin Tucker for the highest field goal percentage in NFL history. Who cares? Honestly, it was nice when Robbie Gold was contending for that, but big deal. I mean, that's that's a personal record, an individual record for the kicker, and it would be nice if that kicker was your guy, but it doesn't help with wins and losses. And I think it would be far more important for Cardi, for uh, for Cody Parkey, God forbid, for Eddie Pinero to make the kicks that matter as opposed to making all the kicks. It would be great if he did, outstanding for him if he could, but I don't think we need him to make all the kicks. We need him to make the big kicks. That's why we got him. And uh, I think this kid is long on his way to being able to do something uh, like that. Uh, being able to do what he did yesterday is a huge boost of confidence. Uh, I think that um, that when we uh, going forward, we might not see the same shackles on Eddie that we saw week one when we wouldn't let him kick a 51-yarder uh, in, in, uh, in, in Soldier Field. Uh, week one, we'd rather go for it on fourth and ten than than go for the fifty-one yard uh, field goal. Uh, I, I don't think we're going to see that anymore uh, this season. Anyway, I, I really don't. Um, I, I think that uh, we're going to trust Eddie going forward uh, a little bit more and ask him. You ready to do this? You want to give the shot? Hell yeah! He runs out on the field. Boom! Let's do it. Field goal. Let's do it. And um, I, I think that's what we're going to see uh, going forward. I don't want to hear any more of this nonsense about. Uh, you know, well, we're expanding the range that we're going to be comfortable with, blah, blah, blah. No, you got to trust him now. You get, you can't do that anymore. It can't be something. It can only be something that Nagy and Tabor, our special teams coordinator, discuss behind closed doors privately. They cannot have this discussion with Eddie in the room because it will show a lack of trust, a lack of confidence in his ability to make those kicks. You got to let him try it. You got to let him try it. You can't be talking about this publicly anymore and, and making it sound like you don't trust the kid. What else do you need him to do than what he did yesterday uh, in, uh, in Denver? So anyway, that's my two cents on that. And that's going to do it for the week two review. And what do you say we go ahead and wrap this bad boy up with everybody's favorite segment, Bear Up, Bear Down. Bear up and bear down for the week two review episode. And uh, we have more bear ups than bear downs. Odd when I was uh, putting this list uh, together, but uh, it's just how it worked out. You know, I had a little bit, a little bit more generalizing on the bear down side of things, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll manage our way through. Uh, bear up, David Montgomery got uh, ran the ball well. I, I like the ferocity that I see from this kid when he runs uh, the football led the team with 62 yards rushing on 18 carries his yards per carry took a hit on that touchdown drive because he had five carries for about three yards on that touchdown drive and uh yeah I, th I think it that's probably what affected it because there was at one point he had like 10 carries for 49 yards he was averaging nearly five yards a carry uh at one point in the game and that's exactly how uh he was running I, i'm and I just hope that the run blocking, which is actually one of our bear downs, bear down to our run blocking, 
if if he could have some clean open holes uh, to run through, he's going to be a terror. He absolutely is because the guy is he's difficult to tackle. Number one because he refuses to go down, and number two because he's very shifty. He likes to make moves. There was a third and three play. Uh, I think it was in the second quarter. He runs it up the middle, and the defender is there. He makes a spin move. The guy's left there hugging air while uh, he leaps forward and gets the first down uh, uh, for the Bears. So it's not even really so much an open field thing, which I'm sure he's very dangerous in. But, um, you know, he's he's shifty enough that uh, you got to be sure you get a hold of him before you bring him down because he's going to squirt away from you. And he's not going to just let you take it down, let you take him down uh, with the first contact. So I liked what I saw from Montgomery. Looking forward to seeing more. Would have liked to actually see the Bears kind of mix it up. I think he only had one target, and it was an odd time for that target. He was running a wheel route down the sideline on third and three. Mitch throws it like 30 yards downfield uh, to him instead of trying to find something shorter, being more economical. So it was it was kind of crazy. It's you know, either Mitch is damned if you do, damned if you don't. Uh, it's just like he seems to go short when he should go long, and he seems to go long when he should go short. It's 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 a mess. So, anyway, bear up Montgomery. Bear down uh, to the run blocking. Uh, bear up uh, to Kyle Fuller. Critical, critical interception he makes on a drive where the Broncos were, were poised to tie up the football game it was a thirteen to six. They were inside the ten yard line, and uh, Kyle Fuller was able to, uh, you know, get after the football, take it away from. I think it was Philip Lindsay, the running back out of the backfield, uh, or I th- actually, I think it was Emmanuel Sanders. Now that I think about it, uh, was able to come away with it. That killed the drive, put an end to it uh, with about four and a half minutes uh, to go. So that was a huge play, play of the game uh, up to that point. Uh, that shut down a very promising drive for the Broncos where the, the Bears were starting to show signs of fatigue, that the the heat and everything was starting to get to them. That thin air and the altitude uh, was starting to affect them uh, with about four and a half minutes to go. Kyle Fuller with the interception to shut all of that down. So bear up, Kyle Fuller. That was, we, that was exactly what we needed. Uh, bear up, Khalil Mack. He was uh, he was his old crazy self yesterday. First sack of 2019. Strangely, did not get called for roughing the passer when he took down uh, Joe Flacco. Probably the only time that that happened. Uh, Nick Williams also had a sack that I was sure was going to get called for roughing the passer because he wrapped up Joe Flacco's legs. That's tantamount to going after the quarterback's legs. That's a penalty. That is a penalty. So I was waiting for the penalty because you know nick williams dared to to go low on flacco god forbid but uh anyway uh khalil Mack got to, got a sack he affected the pocket and being his old uh crazy self and and uh you know <laughs> imposing self is the word that i'm looking for so bear up to uh khalil Mack. bear up pat o'donnell outstanding day for our special teams yesterday Pat O'Donnell, 57.4 yards per punt and had a long of 75, and that punt of 75 yards came at a very big time. He flipped the field on that punt. The Bears were buried deep in their own territory. They thought the Broncos were going to be able to get the ball. 
that like the receiver was going to get the ball around the 30 or so maybe he gets about eight you know eight to ten yards and then you know the Broncos are starting at their own 40 yard line excellent field position instead <laughs> Pat O'Donnell put one into that thin air uh, in 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 Colorado and was able to turn it into a 75 yarder that had the Broncos backed up at their own 10 yard line instead it flipped the field uh, was an outstanding punt he did that all day long yesterday so he doesn't make this list often but he definitely deserved to make it uh, this week uh, let's see bear up to the pass blocking I, I mentioned that earlier uh, really only like I think they I think I read five hurries in the game uh von miller i think had one hurry uh in the ball game and uh no sacks given up as opposed to the five they gave up last week to the to the packers so a definite definite uh upgrade in performance on the pass blocking situation if we can just incorporate the run blocking on that then we really got something i really thought the bears were going to be able to gash the broncos in the run game Todd Davis their best inside linebacker did not start he did not play uh on Sunday so I really thought the Bears might be able to exploit the middle of the field with their you know third and fourth linebackers uh playing uh on Sunday but uh didn't happen didn't happen and that's why they the run blocking is on the bear down list uh this week um let's see who else do we have well we got two more bear ups and bear up to Mitch Trubisky. And this is strictly for the play at the end of the game. You know, in the pocket, he runs up, he steps up in the pocket, fires to find a wide open Allen Robinson. He made the play we needed him to make when we needed him to make it to set up the game-winning field goal attempt. So that's good enough to make the bear down list, in my opinion. But also bear down Mitch Trubisky. That throw is what put him over 100 yards passing for the day. I think he had nine. It was a 25-yard reception by Allen Robinson. He ended up with 120 yards passing on the day. So he had 95 yards passing in 59 minutes and 51 seconds because that play started with nine seconds to go. It's a lot of math I'm throwing at you guys. 59 minutes, 51 seconds of the 60-minute football game. He had 95 yards passing. Thanks to that reception, he ended up with 120. So that throw put him over 100 yards on the day. Unacceptable. And to go along with the the questionable decisions that I called out uh, earlier, the, the 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 read options at the goal line that he probably could have just easily walked in instead of you know constantly handing it off uh, to Montgomery. And then the uh, that the play in the first drive with with Tariq Cohen, great throw. Bad decision. I think he should have gone short to move the chains, extend the drive, instead of trying to go big and, and get a big play uh, there at the end. And obviously, it's only a wrong call because it didn't work out. <laughs> but it didn't work out. It killed our first drive, and we had to go back out on the field immediately right after you know the second, the first drive. Uh, the, the the defense gave up a chunk of yardage and gave a field goal up. So you know, let's give him a breather. Let's give him some rest. Let's move the chains. Let's do something here on offense especially to answer for the performance you had a week before against Green Bay, but they didn't do that. Three and out and, uh, you know, not happy with the performance. So bear up on Mitch for the last uh, for that last throw and making the big play when we needed him to make it. Bear down for Mitch for the other 59 minutes and 51 seconds of that football game. There was very little that he did on Sunday that I was happy with. And then uh, finally bear down to Matt Nagy. 
like I said before, I don't know if the Bears are scared, if it was fear of Miller and, and Chubb that we were doing the whole get the ball out of your hands quickly thing, if it's a lack of trust in Mitch after his performance last week against the Packers, if you don't trust the offensive line with those edge rushers coming at us, I don't know what it is. We're not running our offense. I honestly feel like we are not running the offense that we want to run right now. I, 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 you know, We need to get it figured out for sure. But keep in mind, we had the same struggles last year. We were great when the, in the first 15 scripted plays last year, uh, which is why we feel like we're doing, we, we did better last year than we're doing this year because I think first two games of the season, we scored on our first drive. And then we, we struggled against Arizona in game three, but game four, we scored the first seven times we touched the ball. Again, or five, six times that we touched the ball uh, against the Buccaneers. So, you know, it felt like early on we had a lot more success offensively than we're having early on this year. We had similar struggles, minus the opening drive touchdowns we had in week one and week two. We're having similar offensive struggles than we did uh, last year. So hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll shake it off and, and, and get, get, get after it in the next week or two hopefully Washington can help us out they've given up 30 plus points in the first two games of the year so hopefully that's something the Bears can take advantage of uh next Monday on Monday Night Football because we really got to fix this thing uh up and uh finally bear up I didn't forget him Eddie Pinero uh if we had to do a most valuable player most valuable bear that would be the guy he scored 10 points for us yesterday three field goals and an extra point and uh, none bigger than the field goal he made, 53 yards with no time on the clock to uh, win the ball game and snatch victory uh, from the jaws of defeat. And it, it, bas- it changes everything. It goes from 0-2, woe is me, holy Christ, we let that one get away from us. We blew the game, we're 0-2, we're in a hole, good luck, there goes the season, blah, 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 to there's optimism, there's joy, and it also lifts it's it's a weight that's removed from the shoulders you know like you saw a celebration i saw somebody uh somebody in a facebook group like somehow they're in a bears group of all places like they're they're celebrating like they just won the super bowl it's like dude we number one this place is almost impossible to win in at this time of year They've won seven straight home openers, even with their terrible coach, Vance Joseph. He won both of his home openers uh, in head coaching at Denver. In the last 18 years, they're 17-1 and one in home openers. That's ridiculous. And, you know, with this, with the weather was bearing down on us. We had 31 seconds and one timeout to go the length of the field to get a field goal, and we pulled it off. Of course they're celebrating like we just won the goddamn Super Bowl because we might as well have for what we just accomplished. And our kicker, which has been the biggest question mark going into the season, fulfilled his duties. And <laughs> he did it in dramatic fashion with all odds against him. He pulled it off. He did the one thing we couldn't rely on last year, which was our kicker coming through for us. He came through for us in as big a situation as we faced this year, in a situation that Cody Parkey failed in every single time uh, last year. It's a big deal. And you kind of feel like the weight is lifted. We know we have our guy now. We know now Eddie, Eddie Pinero 
is the kicker of the Chicago Bears, and we know we can depend on him. And granted, small sample size, but in the situation that we needed him to step up in, he stepped up huge. He won us a football game. That's why we're 1-1 one one instead of 0-2 oh is because of him. So that's why we're celebrating, and, and that's why I feel like we're going to be good going forward. This, the weight of whether or not our kicker can help us has been lifted. Our kicker has been carrying us, quite frankly, in the first two games. Scored the only points we put on the board last week against Green Bay. Put up 10 of the 16 that we scored yesterday uh, against the Broncos. So Eddie Pinero's the man. He's the king of Chicago right now, and he deserves to be. He is carrying the football team offensively because he's supplying 90% of our points uh, thus far. So huge weight has been lifted. A huge weight of not being 0-2, a huge weight of being able to depend on our kicker, knowing that we have a kicker, and that we're still the resilient fight-until-the-end team that we were last year. We didn't give up. We fought to the very end. And as uh, Matt Nagy told the team, if you got the ball in one second, you've got a chance to win the football game, and that's exactly what we did. So I think we'll go ahead and end it there, guys. So that's going to do it. For the week two review episode of the Bears Talk Underground, come back on. See, I'm going to start telling you this, telling you this correctly now, uh, because I keep telling you come back on Thursday, come back on Monday. That's when I'm recording these episodes. I record it on Monday, so it drops first thing on Tuesday. I'll record on Thursday so that it drops. Like when you wake up in the morning on Friday, boom, there it is. There's the episode waiting for you. So the episode comes out on Friday. And I have Ian Cummings from Rigo's Rag to help us preview Bears Redskins for week three on Monday Night Football. So come back then. Hit me up on uh, on the Twitters and the, the Facebooks. Bears Talk Underground group on Facebook. Come and say hello to me at BTU underscore Larry on Twitter. And until then, my name is Larry D. And this has been Bears Talk Underground.